0: OTB GAA One of the fathers was milking the cows at half
1: six or seven on the, on the, on the Monday morning, they started crying that we'll just have to win in the county final yesterday
2: Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts
3: Takes it on her end step Barrett for Ireland, into the area Toe pucks it, goal! What a moment! Maybe the moment of a lifetime for Amber Barrett and how appropriate that it's the woman from Donegal who gives Ireland the lead at Hampden Park.
4: Yeah, I think like the last few days have been very difficult for me. Um, it's hard to be looking forward to a game with Ireland, a World Cup playoff, and you know a, a place very close to my heart had gone through such a tragic, tragic moment on Friday. Um, I was with my parents when the news came through, and you know I looked at my mum, and like my mum was raised in Killeslea, so. It was just one of those things Like you're just like, you know, what's going on? And you're, you're waiting to hear news and everything. And then obviously the news came through and day by day it got worse. And I just, today is just dedicated to everybody in Creasla, the, to the to people who lost their lives, to their family, friends, everybody affected in some way. But there's one thing about Ireland, there's one thing about Donegal, is that sense of community and tightness, knitness And I think we certainly had it here. We came together when we needed to. And this is 100% dedicated to Creasla to Donegal and to everybody, my mum and dad as well because I wouldn't be here without any of them. This Irish team have come out, they've really
3: wore their hair in their knees and they that they've done it! History, history is made by the Republic of Ireland, they are going to the World Cup Finals! I'm honestly
4: speechless, I mean we're going to a World Cup, it's it's what dreams are made of, I'm very proud of the girls, we dug deep tonight. It's it wasn't pretty, and we don't play a pretty style of football, but we got the job done, and, and that's all that mattered tonight. I mean, it means the world, honestly. It's it's a dream come true for me. This is what I dreamed of as a kid. Um, but more importantly, what it's going to do for women's football in Ireland. Um, for all those young p- girls and boys watching tonight, for them to, to dream of putting on a, an Ireland shirt. But, yeah, it, it means the world. Um, I'm very proud, and the fans that came out tonight, thank you. Um, that was for you. That was for my family. It was from my dad who's not here today he'd be very very proud so um, no doubt yeah i am i'm very happy
3: Emma Bird is in tears
4: <laughs> i can't believe it
3: enjoy every we moment of
4: this finally
5: day. did it we finally done
3: it
4: i think it's it's every game and every campaign we go to Emma's name gets mentioned every time um, what she's done for us everything in the past everything that she that you built up comf- confidence in us to be and to have and to never give up it's, it's what she did, she made, literally made us believe, and take no shit from anyone. Literally, that was it, you said
3: take no shit. It has been a fight, a fight every step of the way for so many Irish women over the last half a century when it came to Irish football. Scrapping, been turned down, been pushed away, been told what they couldn't do. Well, this group of players said enough is enough. And when you think back to Liberty Hall in 2019 and the stand that was taken by the woman beside me and so many players out on that pitch, it changed the course of Irish football history forever. And they have got their reward today. They are heading to the World Cup Finals. We cannot say it enough.
4: So my brother Gary was saying before the tournament that we were going to Australia, and he was driving everyone in the ma- in oh, the yeah? house mad, going on about I'm booking the tickets, I'm booking the tickets. But he was right, so he must have knew some, he must have known something we didn't.
3: We're back to the days of Credit Union loans again for everybody for the <laughs> well, longest. I think
4: trip. Dr. Ard credit Union might be closed <laughs> at this stage, so maybe get get down there early doors.
3: We we're going to Australia. Surely, surely.
0: No,
1: there's
3: no Shirley! Screw you, (laughs) accountant! You can't stop us now!
1: All right, are, are we all going to Australia? Is that is that it? Yeah. Uh, it's official company policy, Jerry, I think. Well, I think um, Nathan arrived into work to find the accountant sitting there in his desk looking up at him with the, the glasses <laughs> perched, kind of like, <laughs> You summoned us. You summoned us. Would it be a slight letdown if we end up in New Zealand for our group games? Oh, that would be a disaster. I, I Like, it, it was never mentioned. I, I hadn't paid attention that it was actually joint. And then you're like, hang on a second. There's only a certain number of qualification places up for grabs here. And then it's like, I, so we could be in New Zealand. Can we not fix it? That, <laughs> Pop definitely is in New Zealand Balmer that Beach.
6: bad? I've never been.
1: Well, it's just not like this overwhelming surge of Irish people who are like already,
6: yeah. you know, It's going to be very It's going to be winter Like you know So you almost You you can avoid winter Slightly better in Australia Than you can in New Zealand
1: The winter in Australia Is not the same You know (laughs) You watch those Early We get up early morning To watch those Tri-Nations games As they used to be And it's like Oh glorious baking sunshine Everybody seems happy And then it's like You know Connacht yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the bad I think yeah.
7: Galway is the, the measuring stick every time or, for or North
1: Donegal mm. uh, it's definitely uh, anyway you were listening there to a montage uh, which suitably captured the spirit of what happened when Ireland qualified for the World Cup for the first time since 2002 you heard goal scorer Amber Barrett in the commentary montage there ex-Ireland skipper Kenny Cunningham says he was wowed by both her goal and her comments after the game he, uh, with the lads in the news round on Wednesday night have a listen
5: this finish, right? I'm gonna so uh, Louise Sullivan plays a beautiful. First of all, a beautiful Denise, pass. Yeah, yeah Denise Sullivan. Excuse me, and it has to be hit that early, otherwise Scottish right back gets herself back on the on the cover. That gap kind of uh, closes up. So uh, as soon as the pass is paid, brilliant. But after that, Amber Barrett, it's almost like it's it's perfect. Yeah. The first touch, it's got to be a big one. Yeah. B- b- away from the defender, use that speed, put a little bit of distance between yourself and the recovering Scottish defender. Then the second touch. It's it's a ama- that second I'd be fascinated to talk to her in terms of what was going through her head at that moment because she's naturally right footed player. Really, that next touch you want to take it out to your right on your right side to take with the inside of your right foot. But by doing that, you're bringing the recover covering defender into play. You might be able to slide in and yeah. make a tackle. Yeah. So then you think, well, shift it onto your left away from the recovering defender. They've no chance. But of course, by shifting it onto your left, you're cutting the angle and you're putting it onto your weaker foot. So I think I'll be interested in asking, was it that was that uh, second touch deliberate in terms of straight ahead? Yeah. It was a little touch. So she kept it close. <laughs> she kept it close to her, but by taking it centrally, yeah. she couldn't almost open her body up to take with the inside of her right foot. That kind of you now that on read twist your body in motion yeah. and slow to the inside of your right foot. So then it kind of it really opened itself up for the toe punt, the yeah. little t- toe finish, which is actually a brilliant finish yeah. if you can execute it. You don't see it too often. I played against some players who used to be able to do it, and the no great thing, lift. no backlift. Yeah. You get the shot off quick, and you know notice ne- keepers never dive because it comes too quick. They can't set themselves. When they see you twist your body and open your right foot to pass it, they've got a split second to plant their feet and lean that way, and they're on their way as the shot comes. That little toe punt, it leaves your foot so quick, they just can't react. You know, as people think toe punch, you know, in your head, yeah. kicking on the streets, you know, <laughs> the old toe punt, but it's actually a brilliant finish. So that's what I'm saying from start to finish. As soon as she got the the run, the quality of the ball into her, but then after them first two touches, and then the finish was brilliant mm. it actually stood alone in terms of what, it seen, what we'd seen for most of the game which was very kind of frenetic nervous yeah. fragmented uh, game of football probably in a lot of respects it was a poor quality game which is understandable so much at stake played in them yourself. so much at stake you of know course, what I mean yeah. it's like hot potato job mm. but, that, but that moment that passage of play was a uh, I deserved to win the game. It was kind of standout moment.
6: Doesn't it matter how much it has to go through your head in like, what, well, three, four seconds? Because you're saying all that stuff that she had to decide upon. And then in the in- interview afterwards, she's talking about as well. It's like, I wanted to chip it over to Keeper, but she wasn't coming. <laughs> so <laughs> then I had to she's, kind of react to that said, as well. Uh, and,
8: you know. She yeah. said, We knew the keeper doesn't like coming off her line. So they'd actually done a bit of prep work and said, "We, I knew the keeper wasn't was, coming off the okay, line. Okay, yeah, and she said
6: her chipping her over was her first choice as well, yeah.
8: though. So maybe that's more in practice than in the actual event of, yeah. of the night, yeah. but And then, of course, the celebration's iconic. You know, instantly I saw the celebration and I thought, oh, wow, that is just absolutely stunning, <coughs> beautiful moment. And, you know, she talked afterwards. It's not just, oh, I'm done goal. it's... Well, I know Chris Law. And yeah. my grandparents are there and I know first yeah. responders and I know people who are hurt. This is uh, you know, I know it like the back of my hand.
5: Oh, I'd have to that post match interview which she did, I've got to be honest with you, absolutely blew me away. Yeah. I, I mean literally. Yeah. I was, I was trying, trying not to cry on to the bus
6: it. at home last night,
5: watching. For it. somebody who kind of spoke oh, you could have given me six hours prep before an interview like that, sure. and I couldn't have been a- I couldn't have been able to put that across as well. Uh, as she did to be as spontaneous as that and kind of as heartfelt uh, uh, as it was and spoke so and just the tone was like pitch perfect wasn't it in terms of explaining how delighted she was in terms of the moment what they'd achieved as a in but also kind of marrying that up with kind of sadness not really sadness because kind of
8: devastation
5: devastation yeah. really at, at what you know had happened a few days previously I just thought it was like it was almost like it, it was it was Beautiful moment like you know. Really I'm,
8: beautiful. We've spoken to Amber a few times on the show. She's playing her football in Germany, and, and anytime she speaks, she's very interesting, super intelligent. But I mean that was just another level of composure and, as you said, eloquence under that kind of pressure. Yeah, yeah. Because when you're talking about something oh, we would find, here even you're trying you're talking about something that tragic and that yeah. devastating. You don't want to say the wrong thing. Exactly. You don't want to use the wrong
5: word. Yeah. Our context. She's, exactly. Yeah, you wonderful. cause a bit of horror to people. Yeah. Totally, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
8: yeah. I know. I think the whole country at that interview went, My God Wow. Of, of anything we've heard in the last week, not to do a disservice to anyone, yeah, that's, last yeah. week, that's, that's right up there, you know. Yeah,
5: yeah. Uh, well, this is what makes you kind of, you talk about with pride in the jersey and, and the football, but for me, it's kind of, it's just as much people. Pride in your own, when you talk about pride in your own uh, people, you know this thing, uh, I love being, you know, the, the the T-shirts, we're lucky being Irish and all. Mm-hmm. Now it's all a bit of a laugh and a joke and, and this type of thing, you know what I mean? But... For me, that that's what it is. Kind of, I think there is a there is a truth there at the bottom of it in terms of that bit of pride in in ourselves and kind of what we stand for. And I, and I think she kind of epitomised it the other night in terms of how she spoke. I think that was the very and that and that whatever couple of minutes that she spoke, that was the the very best really of what we've got in this country. I think that's what we kind of that's what we're talking about in terms of when we're we talking those terms. Excellent from Kenny. Um, I do think that. The post-match, like apart from
1: her incredible uh, ability to capture the tone, I've actually never seen anybody describe the thought process, the speed of the thought process and reveal so much in like a split second. Mm-hmm, my right. brain works at such a high level, I'm able to remember everything that I was going through as I was creating this moment of history and I'm going to explain it all to you perfectly, no perfect, while I'm still sweating having just won a place in the World Cup for my team. You know. So
6: insane. I was I was blown away but as I was saying that to Kenny and, and actually even Kenny describing it and explaining what she did almost in slightly different terms you're thinking how much is going through these footballers heads That's, in such a short period of time when you think about it when you think back of Amber Barrett's goal it's three touches and it's a goal and it doesn't seem that much but you listen to people talk about it be it a former footballer or the player herself yeah and you realize how much goes into that
1: one other thing that struck me that I meant to keep, keep meaning to bring up over the course of the week is um uh, her interview and Courtney Brosn's interview they had done all the work they had watched all the videos it had been ingrained in them oh, they the knew exactly was the, the keeper one doesn't was come out talking about we'd seen that' We'd seen the, we'd amazing, seen the yeah. video and yeah I knew where she was going to kick it it's like it wasn't a oh, I looked at her body I sized her up I used my instincts it was like yeah we'd done the work which suggests the coaching team are on it. And the players are buying into that and have bought into that obviously for such a long period of time. You know, you don't have your five successive clean sheets against teams ranked higher than you, if you're not um, fully bought in. But like, it hasn't always been the case with Ireland teams, where we were doing the work, where, we're, where the, the lads are watching the videos, where, you know, uh, there was one story one time they were getting the DVDs and they thought this was too much. They have to I have to watch a DVD now. I have to take it, I have to open it up and take it out of the thing. And Sometimes it's, I might be scratched. It takes ages. Yeah, they're all doing their work, which I like. Well, look,
7: even if it is ingrained in your brain, if you're Amber Barrett, you still have to show remarkable composure when you're played through like Denise Sullivan's pass is remarkable which gives us a chance to take that first good touch to actually put herself into a position to get to the edge of the box but even when she gets there natural temptation I think would have been to open your
6: body and to try and go across goal oh,
1: yeah well it's the obvious thing but to do you've seen it a million goal. times
6: it's like there's a Kenny Kenny was blown away by the goal he was like he couldn't wait to talk about it I could sense that sitting beside him in here you know and it's, just, I love that I love that it's going to be such a famous goal in Irish history and it was brilliant it wasn't like like God, we all wish Anya Gorman had put in that header. You know what I mean? For her and for the team and for her own heart yeah, rate. Yeah, yeah. But it would have been just one of those goals that was like, isn't that great for Anya Gorman and what a beautiful like circle that is from the Ukraine game and so on. But in terms of actually watching it back from years to come and just seeing it as a as a uh, uh, you know, this picture of football on its own with no context. It have Barrett's one is amazing. It would have been special, oh, even been if, if Lily Ag yeah. had just got in you on the ball, oh, went around yeah. at the end of the first half.
7: If that had just been poked over the line, we would have been just as happy. But I still uh,
6: think we haven't given enough credit to the Scottish defender who.
7: For the goal, uh, Matt who, Scramble. Who, yeah. Who, who oh, moved if that had been a way. goal.
1: <laughs> 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 it would have been the opposite if it had been a goal. Well, <laughs> if that goal, Matt Scramble, had been a goal, it would have been the most beautiful. I would have bought an NFT of that.
6: Oh, sorry. No, no, you're right. Sorry, the four clearances off the line. I meant when the throw uh, Megan Campbell's oh, throw directly yeah. to the goal and the, the defender had the wherewithal genius. to move out of the way and yeah. let it in but at the same time I don't think had the wherewithal to know the rules but I don't think I had the wherewithal to realise that Liliac was right beside her It was insanely risky
1: uh, High risk, high reward mm. it turned out um, Yeah, I mean what a, like, what a what a what a compelling like uh, grim fascinating exhausting game of football it was yeah. like even Heart the last song. six minutes where you're like oh I mean it's okay we've seen them do this before it's going to be fine but we've also seen we've seen that happen so often in Irish sport where like because we were massive underdogs you forget that we were 7-2 to two in that game Like, that's a massive price in a two-horse race.
6: And we didn't agree with that, I don't think, but... I I had Euro 2000 Macedonia just, like, baked into my memory because we knew Kenny was coming in on Wednesday and we were talking about different things and I was like, I said it at one stage, we were just watching it in here while listening to, to Nathan and Emma Burns' commentary and... Uh, I said God if they do score though like I mean we could talk to Kenny about that match and
1: Arthur looked at me it was like like as if I was the most pessimistic human being in the world well, someone had to uh, counteract George Hamilton counting us down from like the 82nd minute I was like uh, you know I mean with George you've got a long history of like a probably tempting fate in such a, yeah. in such a manner Danger so here. Uh, right Onya Gorman obviously as we've been talking about uh, it was her first competitive international in almost a year in Tuesday's win and the veteran p man player spoke with Kathleen McNamee on this week's Koi Gig Pod Have a listen that.
9: Um, Not really obviously I haven't played a competitive game since November last year um, yeah, so only a couple of days before the match I kind of got an inkling um, that I'd be involved but I always said that I was there for the team and ready when, when I'm needed um, and look uh, just one of them players that's going to focus and train and do what I can in and training and to try get in the team and luckily the hard work paid off
4: and did Vera say anything to you about like why she had picked you
9: after that amount of time um, not really like I think she just kept it short and sweet like you're getting in getting the game plan You knew I'd be defensively solid i like to make runs forward um, score goals should have scored a goal but look it doesn't matter Amber Barron put the ball in the back of the net Courtney saved the penna and um, yeah so look for me then it was just to focus on my task stick to my task go out and relish the, the opportunity um, to play in such a big game and um, just delighted we got the result
4: And were you able to enjoy it at any stage or was it just like I presume whenever the final whistle went there was the obvious elation but was there any stage during the match like even after Amber scored where you were like oh we might
9: actually do this Yeah look we told it's a half time that Portugal had beaten Iceland I think it was 4-1 so at that moment I was like we win now, we're going to qualify straight to the World Cup. Not that it affected the outcome of what we had to do. Either way, we had to, to win the game to go to the Intercontinental tournament or straight to the World Cup. But obviously, that one moment in the second half, I think we were a little bit under the cosh. But look, we love absorbing that pressure. I think we enjoy it. Bodies on the line, heading balls, booting balls, until i seen the six minutes on the clock um, at a time. But look, we managed to see the game out and, and what a moment.
4: I mean i was tired just watching it from jumping up and down and screaming so i can't imagine how you guys felt in general (laughs) and i read an interview with you where you said you know the ukraine match what that like how it lasted with you how it stayed and you weren't sure if there was anything that was ever going to replace it do you think this
9: might be the moment that comes to the forefront of your mind Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, that's still going to live with me forever. But I think we learned a lot from that game and a lot in them high-pressure situations. Obviously, it was a big setback for me personally and the team. But look how we've reacted and how we've grown and gone from strength to strength. Even with the players we were missing through injury, we were carrying them on the pitch last night. And it just just shows the big squad efforts, the backroom staff, the players, um, what a special group it is. Because that has kind of been all the talk this week and the lead up is
4: mentality and how I, you can easily see the growth in the squad over the last couple of years. What for you was the moment where things maybe clicked a bit and you were like, oh, mentally we're in such a different space and we're we're going to do this, we're, we're a
9: lot better? Um, I think obviously after the equal pay deal um, and then we played Australian and friendly and then from them, I think we really kicked on. Obviously we played Sweden the first game of the campaign. At home, lost 1-0, put in a good performance. We're probably a little bit unlucky towards the end. Went way to Finland, got that 2-1 result. I think from then, we've just kicked on. And obviously,
4: this is great. We've won, we're going to the World Cup, but there is also the domestic stuff still
9: ongoing. How are you
4: feeling about the end of the season?
9: Yeah, look, I think it's amazing. The position that, obviously, p are in at the moment. There's four teams in the in the title race. Um, look, it's exciting, and I think it's great for the league the at home.
1: This. Yes. Yeah, so that was Onyo Gorman talking with Kathleen. Uh, also, Emma Byrne and Karen Duggan were on, breaking down the victory over Scotland. It was a bumper edition of the Koy Gig Pod, which is also available to listen to now. If you want a bit of joy in your life, then listen to that show. It's all a thanks to our partners at Cadbury, and we're supporting Irish women's grassroots football. The Koy Gig Pod are giving away all the net profits from our most recent Cadbury Road Show in Vicar Street over the next few weeks. We're going to be giving you an opportunity to win a thousand euros worth of equipment for your local grassroots adult club for your club to be able a chance to win just contact the pod with your club details and contact information by emailing the pod at offtheball.com pod at offtheball.com T's and C's apply you can head over to OTB Sports for more Can I just say one thing about Anya
6: Gorman before we move on I did a, um, a women in sport panel with her it was with Jenny Murphy and Carla Rowe and Anya and it must have been it must have been five years ago it was at least four right and she was retired from international football time, she had 100 caps, she was a legend of Irish football and she was that almost, not the first generation, but you know, like the 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 kind of still a pioneering generation yeah, yeah. and she was one of the legends of, but it was behind her, you know, and we talked, She she's still playing for p obviously, but we were talking about her career in the past, she was, you know, and when you think about what she's done since and how she was there in the 96 minutes. On, uh, on on Tuesday night, you know, and she was brilliant, I thought, throughout. Obviously, we talked about her missing a chance and you go to like having those undercaps, whatever, coming back, the own goal against Ukraine. I don't know if I've ever seen a group of players more disappointed on a sports field and I think angry with themselves as they were two years ago. And to then qualifying for the World Cup, being there, playing for the first time in a year and playing the 96 minutes. And being one of Ireland's main players, it's just a, it's a great story. It really is like
1: it. yeah. But the, and there's a lot of those stories in the squad. Like yeah, there is. Um, and the collective adversity uh, adversity that they've come o- overcome, like the, you know, the Liberty Hall, the track seats in the um in the airport. Like from don't, there
7: to here, nobody really struck me. Jerry I saw someone had a picture up of Liberty Hall and then a picture of the squad the other night. And just when you pan across, it there's was loads like, of them. It was like Emma Byrne was on commentary with us. I think. Stephanie Roach was on commentary on the TV and then the rest of the players were all still involved with the squad that were on the front row there. So it just goes to show how many of them still have the scars of five years ago and all that and coming through it and how much of a motivation that must have been for this campaign to finally get to a final. Yeah.
1: Um, It doesn't feel like they're ahead of schedule, but they probably are a little bit ahead of schedule. Like we beat teams who were higher ranked than us in the group. We beat a team who were higher ranked than us in the playoffs and that's the bit where we're still on the upswing of this. And so the next... Four six years should be pretty good. Of the European teams who qualified, most are in the top ten, and then
7: you've us on twenty four. Now we so need some young centre backs.
6: Well, that's what I was going to say. At the same time, there is a moment for this team so while it still has Fahi and Louise yeah. Quinn and, and 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 these guys like that are just sort of like that. You know, I'm, I'm just so glad they get to go to a World Cup as well, but also we need to make sure they're replaced like it isn't the case of like you know this is a young team if the if, if the, the core of the team isn't replaced then yeah. it won't be but yeah. we'll we'll have Katie McCabe and Denise Sullivan for another few years we will yeah. definitely and then uh, uh, you know, Connolly know. to come back in and you know Sue when she comes
1: back from an injury I think yeah. it's crossed that um, that injury is like you know we should she definitely she could
6: make the World Cup it's not, it's not a guarantee it will be tough it will be very very tough
1: As I don't think it's a straightforward ACL I really? think it was no, a complicated ACL right. was the, the bit that we would heard in advance of it um, coming out so I think um, you know, that's not to say that like uh, modern science around all that stuff is, is very strong. But um, I do think that there's uh, traditionally women have a slightly longer recovery period as well for whatever reason. I don't know if it's the science isn't quite at the same level or if there are fewer ACL reconstructions. You should have a conversation with
6: Kathleen McNamee about some of those things. It blows your mind about the uh, so much of medical science is geared towards a man's body and just... Uh, for example, this is mad, right? And, and I think Kathleen's going to talk about this on the on Koi podcast at some time. And I don't know if people notice, and they, maybe they do. Maybe it's common knowledge, and I just didn't know. Women um, have a huge proportion of heart attacks undiagnosed because they don't suffer the same symptoms as a man, and medical science and practice only recognizes male symptoms of a heart attack, which is the pain down the arm and so on. And so, the doctors don't recognize women having heart attacks. And you can imagine if that's for heart attacks for 50% of the population, mm. what sports science and injury is. So there, anyway, that's a a, a huge tangent there. Apologies for that. But uh, it was just something that blew my mind when I spoke, was speaking to Kathleen recently.
1: Don't you have a whole slot for tangents, Mick? Isn't there a... Oh,
6: we missed it this week. So you
7: have to do it, it, it? somewhere. Okay,
1: right. <laughs> uh, no, and uh, they've done loads of um, stuff already on Koi Gig about the propensity of footballers to suffer injuries while menstruating, and like the, high, the there's a massive spike. And so, certain clubs like Chelsea, for example, are taking this into account when it comes to training. But other clubs are like, well, uh, I'm not sure about this, I need to know a bit more. It's like, well, maybe you need to uh, catch up on all that. So, anyway, 53106, the text number if you want to get in touch. That is part one celebrating the fact that we are going to the World Cup. How many of us you think you could fit in a plane to Australia? <laughs> are we chartering? Yeah, it depends what airplane part of the plane we're in. We're back after these. Right, you're very welcome back to uh, part two of some of the best stuff that we put out over the course of the week um, on OTBAM, which is the morning sports breakfast show here on Off the Ball. We pay tribute this week to the Tipperary hurler Dylan Quirk, who passed away after taking ill on the field of play while playing for his club, Ross Moore, during their County Senior Hurling Championship match against Killaral McDonaghs. His teammates John O'Keefe and Jimmy Maher joined myself and Shane Hannon in studio earlier this week to talk about their friend, in Jimmy's case, his um, his housemate and uh, John explained why Dylan was a leader both on and off the field.
10: He was only 24 years of age but he uh, he just seemed to be a pillar of, of sense from, from a very early age. Um, and that was on, on the field but was very much so off the field. Um, heavily involved in his family business, uh, just a decent guy. Always organising stuff for the club or for his group of friends. Um, and yeah I suppose no matter the age gap I think that's the big thing about him he's friendly with the older generation of lads and he was able to mix it with the younger guys as well Uh, and everybody was just so fond of him
2: Jimmy you were a teammate from underage as well were you? I wasn't I was actually I'm a few years old I'm 28 so he's 24 and I actually moved to Boston so I didn't hurt with him until about 3 years ago really Right. but the minute I came back like he just you're welcome straight in by the whole club obviously but Dylan especially like he'd be driving you on the whole time and he was the one that he'd make you go to the gym with him he'd make sure you're eating properly he'd ask me if I'm sitting down at home he'd come up and he'd say Buttons are you after eating are you and if i say no he'd make sure get that into you now and he'd there'd be shepherd's pie in the fridge and all this and he'd make sure you're eating then he'd tell you to go up and weigh yourself and all this like he's just just really look up to him and he's such a good fella. Like You have
1: to have the, the strength of the character and personality, uh, emotional intelligence, the the people would call it, to be able to carry that off where you're like, I'm just back from Boston and I'm, I'm going to do what I want here. Yeah. And some young fella's <laughs> coming up and saying, are you eating? And you're like, actually, you know what? I'm going to listen to this guy.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's just I lived with him there for the last two years. So he was just like, he was hot, 24, I'm 28. And like, it's amazing just how you'd look up to someone four years younger and younger yeah. than you know? Yeah, that so. seems to be what you were saying, like your your experience, yeah. you know, you've
1: been around, you've seen everything. Yeah, uh,
10: yeah. he's eight years younger, nine years younger than me, and I still, like, if, if Dylan arrives onto a training session, the ante is up straight away, you know, we obviously, he's gone with tip for most of the year, uh, and then arrives back, and straight away, there's a 10% increase, 20% increase in training, and if Dylan says something, players listen and i'm talking about from 35 years of age down to
11: 18 years of age and it, was, it wasn't even just that at the age of 24 he was doing that because i, I remember um the, the the photograph of himself and, and the famous joe hayes after the was the 2018, yeah, 2018 final. final, yeah and like he scored a couple of sidelines in that match as well and he was he was probably only about, what, 20 or 20. 21 20. so like he was leading from a from the very outset of him breaking into that senior oh, club absolutely team
10: shame. we wouldn't have won that that year that county final without dylan he was the main man at 20 years of age, and it never fought, like, never shook him, or he that responsibility on his shoulders. He just took it in his stride, absolutely. I just remember there, we, we went down a point, or we, lost, we conceded a goal, and, like, I think Dylan won the next three or four balls, and, like, they were tough balls to win. One freeze, got a score, and, you know, for 20 years of age, you're like, this man is going to be phenomenal, and he was, uh, and, like, I even, it's gas, uh, looking at those photographs, like He was a big player, he was very athletic, tall, but like he'd filled out so much in the couple of years, mm-hmm. he just did everything right. But yeah, even at that, at that age, was an incredible player.
1: Are they your favourite memories, those, those matches where uh, the game's in the melting pot and, and he stands up? Is that, Willock, when, when you think back now, is that what?
10: That's, when you talk about someone with his ability, but he, he matched his ability with that honesty and application and effort, which is a huge... I don't know, what, yeah, he just, you don't see that in every day. Um, and I just think he had that X factor. When a game is in the melting pot, you say, "Let's hit it down on top of Dylan." That that was, you know, there was no plan. There was no. That was your go-to
11: ball. Let's hit it down on top of Dylan. And nine times out of ten, he made something happen. And like ine- inevitably, he makes the breakthrough to the Tipperary county side as well. And, and I mean, um, I think he played all, started all of the, all of the games, championship games anyway last year. Like the the great quote from from Dylan, he was speaking to reporters when he made his his, um, his Tip debut against Cork. He was like, it was unreal, I've waited all my life for this, it's a dream come true, just to play with the lads, it's a dream. So it, it was obviously something that was on his uh, periphery for quite some time, but to make that breakthrough must have been so special for him. Mm.
2: Yeah.
11: It was, I suppose that,
10: that's the thing, it took him, took him a year or two maybe just to settle in there and uh, any player who goes in with an county team, you know it's different to your club, it is a step up, so it takes maybe a year or two to adjust and I think Dylan had that breakthrough year. Um, and I'm sure Liam Kyle is tip manager has probably you know, has lost a, a big part of his, of his panel next year because he would have been looking at the, the performance this year and said yeah, Dylan is very close to being a nail on starter. Uh, but I, I don't think anybody in the club or anyone who knew Dylan was ever going to think that he wasn't going to break through onto that team because there's just a level of commitment there and desire to, do, to get onto that team and do everything right on and off the pitch, he just had an abundance.
2: What was he like as a, as a housemate, Jimmy? Did he clean no? up? Some crack now, yeah. He <laughs> was I was just different, like I don't know, it's just a pure messer really, like that's I think that's why we got on so well because I'm a bit of a messer as well, like <laughs> but, like just one story, say we used to go golfing, say, in the evening or whatever, and um, Paddy the neighbour across the way came over and he says Like Paddy used to be, he used to love Dylan, like any time Dylan come out of the house, Paddy'd be straight over talking to him, he's mad to talk to him or whatever, but we went golfing anyway one evening, and Paddy came out and he caught us, and he goes, I want to, I'd love to play around with you or whatever, and Dylan messing, like me and Dylan were kind of half messing with him, and Dylan says, you can play with us if you want Paddy, but I'm playing off two, and Jimmy's playing off five, and Paddy was kind of, he's kind of scratching the head, but he said, he still wanted to play or whatever, but um, he said he'd play with us two weeks later. But he came up to me two days after Dylan passing. I, I came out of the home, or the house in Turles and Paddy came across and he goes, "Jenny, Jimmy, I'm so sorry to hear, I'm so sorry to hear like this. We're, and we were meant to be playing golf next week. And you, you were playing off five and Dylan was playing off two, he says. And... Uh, I was. I hadn't. I had. I didn't tell him at the time that we were only taking rip, taking the rip out of him because I wouldn't hit the ball out of my way. And Dylan, <laughs> Dylan was only kind of getting lessons at the time, so he was only getting a bit better than what he was. But I met Paddy a week later, and I told him we we're only messing with him, so <laughs> he finally found out. Yeah, he finally found out we were only taking the rip. Um, Jimmy, how
1: how do you make sure that the memories that you have stay fresh? How how do you keep? Um, and you keep doing part of your life. And because in Ireland, I know we, we had this conversation very recently with um, Brendan O'Duffy about his son, Ogi. He's written a book about him and he found the whole experience to be very worthwhile, but also difficult at times. And I, I was making the point that, like, we're great at funerals. Uh, the, whole, the whole country okay. was obviously mm. shocked by what happened and paid loads of attention. And then you guys went back to the kind of the cadence of the season, playing matches. But after that's over, then the winter's very long. I'm sure you want to keep his memory alive by just talking about him.
2: Yeah, like there's so much, like you can only say so much on air. Like there's so much stories to tell, and like all your friends are there for you the whole time. Our club has been so good. Like our club has been unreal. So like we're lo- we're all actually going away. We're going away to Killarney in a few few weeks' time. The whole club together. So that's going to be like, what can you do? Like I don't know. You just have to get on with it, really. Like yeah, tell. Tell stories about him and visit his grave and maybe go up and visit his mother and father and Shannon and Kelly as well. Like you know,
1: yeah, I'm sure for them it's it's terrible. But John, that that is one of those things that like um, sometimes we can shy away from speaking about people, particularly who whose lives are cut so tragically short. I I don't know. Maybe the right thing to do is just keep talking and like you know.
10: Yeah, I I yeah, definitely. I'd have to agree. Uh, like we can't as much as we have to move on with our life. Like every time we go back down to the, the training pitch, we remember Dylan. Like every time we tog out, we remember Dylan. So he's always going to be a part for life. We're, we're, he's never going to be not. Uh, and that's the same for, for Dan Hazel, Kelly, and Shannon. Like they have to try and get on with their life as best they can, but they've lost somebody very special to them. Yeah. Um, but there's no point in shying away from that. Like we, you know, we'll try and support them as best we can. I just think they've been wonderful the last eight or nine, ten weeks. I think they've been just brilliant, um, and they've got huge support from the club and. We'll continue to support him as best we can, but um, I've never been as proud as, I mean, you're always proud of your club, ask
1: more, but I've never been as proud as him as I have been in the last 10 to 12 weeks. We've, they've just been immense. Um, Derry City renamed the Brandywell there, Brian McBride, Brandywell. I, it's very early on, but like naming something locally in his honor might be something, some way of kind of just keeping the conversation going.
10: Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure those conversations are happening in the background. I'd be surprised or not. You know, he's his uncle is chairman at the club, Andrew Friday. Um, and Andrew has been a wonderful chairman and uh, has been a li- real leader since since Dylan's tragic loss. So, um, but even you know there are small little photographs have gone up around our dressing room now that uh, of Dylan in action or um, after the county final and those kind of things. So, all those small little memories will will mean a huge amount.
1: How were the weeks after in terms of actually getting back on the field and playing matches? What was that like? I was actually just I was
10: just chatting with, with Jimmy here before we came on here and. I remember initially, like the Saturday, Sunday, we, I was thinking, how do we go back down to the pitch here Tuesday night or Thursday night or whenever we get back? I said, this is, this is, it doesn't make a any difference anymore. Like, you know, and then and then as time went on, I suppose the, the funeral was the, the Tuesday, and we went back down to the pitch Friday night for a few pokes, and it was an eerie setting. Now, you know, I, I don't even some people want, didn't want to be there. Some people maybe felt it was right to be down there. And at that point, I think people were still unknown whether we were going to compete in the championship as more to get-together. But actually, looking back on it now, although we were knocked out of the quarter-final stage, I, I think it was so important for us to go back down to the pitch. Not even maybe to see where it, it led in, in terms of winning a trophy or that, but uh, for everybody, you know, mentally and, and as a group, and as, as to stick together, it was so important to be there Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. And it gave everybody something to, to aim towards. And I think Dylan himself <clears throat> would be saying, let's don't, you know, by all accounts go down and, and drive it on. Yeah. And there was no real pressure on us. I know maybe uh, the days after the funeral, people were saying, oh, you had to do it for Dylan and that. Uh, I don't think Dylan wanted that pressure on us either, or the, the family definitely didn't want that pressure on us. Um, but I think the most important thing was that we were together as a group because those few weeks after were were tough. you know, and it, it hit everybody different times. And then we had the month's mind mass in between that as well. Uh, which again, you know, was 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 a tough one to take, but I, I think looking back and now I think Jimmy agreed with me there, and that uh, we're delighted we did go back.
1: Well, it, it brought you together. It made conversations happen. It kind of maybe <clears throat> not forced you. it would have been having the conversations anyway, but it certainly gave you an opportunity to have those, even just the proximity and maybe some silences where everybody's like comfortable enough not saying stuff. There, the other things that help with yeah. cope with that. Well,
10: there was there was a first time for everything. It was the first time back at the pitch, there was the first time talking out, there was our first game, there was our first time back in Simple Stadium. All those milestones had to happen at some stage. Yeah. you know? So um and I, and I must give credit to our, our management team as well, who are all in house uh, in house men that we've recruited and I just feel like they had they over managed the whole thing brilliantly. And like Declan Ryan, who's obviously an uncle in law Dylan's as well, is so close to him like Declan found it extremely tough but still led from the front. John Devane, Jason and, and Anthony Roach were just fantastic to, to keep the group of players together. And I suppose at times they probably had to mask their own emotions and to be that bit stronger, to drive on the training sessions, to maybe make difficult decisions, but they did it uh, with, with a plumber, they really did.
1: You've been listening there to John O'Keefe and Jimmy Marr who were teammates of Dylan Quirk who passed away uh, tragically young on the field of play while, uh, as the lad said, doing what he loved. Um, I think talking about your friend who has died tragically young is incredibly difficult, and I know the two lads were anxious to uh, carry it off properly and to make sure that they, they sounded the right note, but like, I hope anybody who listened to that got a sense of who Dylan Quirk was as a fellow, because he seems like a great lad, and the two lads certainly carried that off perfectly.
7: Yeah, they spoke remarkably well, and I saw they bumped into the Taoiseach, after they were in the studio here and chatted to him and he was keen to find out more about Dylan Quirk as well. I mean, the moment that probably struck me was the fact that Dylan Quirk's last act on the pitch was to set up his teammate for a goal, which just feels remarkably tragic, but also kind of beautiful moment that the guys were keeping with themselves as well. Because I remember that night, just the the whole country was probably taken by the fact that they saw the Twitter updates, that a game had been stopped because a player had collapsed on the pitch and the streaming was taking place at local championship level in Thurles that night as well. So. Horrible, horrible thing to happen to a club, um, seems to have very much brought them together and it was lovely to see two young men who were so articulate and well-spoken and something that's still very
1: difficult to do, only a couple of months out from it happening as well. It's still very raw at this stage. Yeah, I've no doubt it is and and you know, at the same time hopefully it helps them to, to keep Dylan's memory alive and to keep chatting about him and to just integrate his life into theirs for the rest of their lives. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. 53106, the text number, if you want to get back back in touch with us. Uh, we'll be back after these. Right, the Republic of Ireland manager Stephen Kenny says that he is disappointed by a lack of transparency from UEFA around the process to decide the fixture schedule for the upcoming European Championship qualifiers. Uh, you did a great interview with Joe. Uh, was this Monday night? Monday night, Monday yeah, night, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I think Stephen Kenny's going to give some very, very interesting interviews at the end when it's all finished. He was like, oh, I'm not really going to talk about that tonight, but um, he's paying attention. He's taking names. He's yeah, it's funny that he, like... He does listen to coverage and
6: he reads coverage and doesn't deny it either. You know, it's like, and, and like there is. There's. I understand him not wanting to talk about what he's talking about specifically, but it is refreshing that he actually <laughs> that he admits it because we know they do.
1: Yeah,
8: yeah.
6: And sometimes they get sour about it, but they're not telling you why.
8: Yeah. See, is telling us he's. Of course, he's paying attention to what's been said.
1: Let's have a listen to the man himself. Here he is saying that he's no issues with criticism of his work as long as it's not agenda-driven.
8: You're not somebody, and I, because I would think it's difficult to shut yourself. I completely off from the world. You're not somebody who doesn't hear what's being said about you or the team. And I remember at one point early enough on in the tenure, there was um, a response, I think it was to a Tommy Conlon article, for instance, or at times I hear you and I think, oh, he's, he's definitely heard what's been said that week and he's responding to it almost proactively in a, in a subsequent interview, which is, which is totally your, your right. I don't have the suspicion you, you try and block yourself away from the criticism, that you do hear it, you do listen to it.
12: Um, listen, that's uh, of course, of course, air yeah, criticism. Um, it would be, you know, would be telling the truth if I said otherwise. Of course, that's part of the, part of the job. And
8: what effect and does, that, does that have? Do you bristle and and you stew on it, or are you able to park it, or do you think sometimes fair point, unfair point? Why? How do you tend to receive it?
12: No, I'm all right with it with criticism. Actually, um, I've learned that, like when I was early in my management career, I probably struggled with it. Um, I'm I'm all right with it. I'm, um, I can handle criticism, okay, you know, mm. but I just don't like agenda-based criticism, which there can be plenty of that at times. And uh, and what's that's the what what's what's the agenda? Well, uh, I'm not discussing that now, but certainly um, that's that's what I don't like. But I, I certainly, um, or I don't don't listen to. Right. But that criticism is all part of the job, and I've no problem with that. That's a senior international manager. It comes at the territory, and it comes at the territory in other countries, not just Ireland as well. That's that's part of the job, so I've, I've no no uh, no problem with that.
8: Okay, so the agenda criticism is clearly something you feel is dishonest in its motivation.
12: Uh, you know, I'm not really willing to discuss any further. You know, I think that's that's I've said what I've said.
8: Okay, no problem. You switched in uh, June to three five two five three two, whichever way you want to split it. Given the way a game is going. And the split strikers up front. Do you feel that's the right formula now for the team heading into the qualifiers? You feel settled on that, or, or is that very much subject to change given opposition and, and various factors?
12: Yeah, we. I think it's more clear that we're playing with three defenders. I think now we've got the options to, to play between three five two and three four two one. Really, are the two systems that we. You know, it's not like a club side where you can have a lot of systems and you can work on everything every day. and So you try to minimise the changes, really, mm. because the, the time the time you have with the players is... Sometimes in the windows, obviously, if we've had three-game and four-game windows, is minimal. So it's important to, uh, you know, from our point of view, it's important. Really, we've been working between two systems over the last year and a half. And um, we've been working with on three five two for in training at times um before we you know, sometime before we before we played it against Scotland. Right. And um so uh, a lot of our strikers may be suit playing in in the front too. Um like Michael Obafemi and Troy Parra, for example recently. They've linked up well in some of the games. And um Rozier Benya, of course, is you know really excelled in in the he's a right you know a, traditionally a right winger he excelled in, in the in the three four two one system that's where he really excels in as a, as a winger and uh, he's come in and had a tremendous um, effect really done done really well but obviously he's adapting this year he had been playing right wing for Rodri and he's playing centre forward now so he's adapting to that position scored a few goals that's another good option for us. Scott Hogan and Callum Robinson Callum Robinson had you know a brilliant window in October where he got five goals and he followed that up with a goal against Luxembourg as well to six goals but then had a period out of the team at West Brom which ultimately has led to him moving to Cardiff to get regular football so we need players playing regularly and that's 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 another thing that we learn you know that, not that we've learned it's always been the case obviously you want all your players playing
1: That was Stephen Kenny. The full interview you can get on the OTB football feed. Um, Like, uh, you know, uh, the the various agendas that are out there are uh, fairly clear. You can you can break them down into the, you can you can see them. uh, You'll you'll see them on the YouTube comments of any piece that we've ever done with discussion of Stephen Kenny. It's like, oh, he never managed at the right level, and so therefore he's not qualified to manage this team. Oh, we need to get results, and so therefore. Uh, he's not getting results. He needs to go. And then the last one is like, you don't know what you're talking about. You you just love him because I don't really know, know why. What's the like? Uh, my view is that it football needs a plan that's a long-term plan that's based around creating a style of play that suits our available talent pool, building the talent pool as wide as you possibly can, supporting the domestic league so that if someone doesn't make it immediately in the UK there is a fallback position or or beyond or uh, Italy as it turns out or Belgium or wherever so there's a fallback league where you can be a late bloomer in your 22, 23, 24 and still play international football. That's like that's my agenda uh, like that's what I think we should Mm. be doing and I think if Stephen Kenny can pull off what he's trying to do it's going to be a massive shot in the arm for people who are football people in Ireland who let's face it get looked down on by the vast majority of football fans in Ireland who are Liverpool fans and Man United fans or Celtic fans first before they're a League of Ireland fan. And we know the reasons for that. That's like, and, and that's what you're battling against. But if you want your football industry to be self-sustaining and to be creating talented people, talented administrators, talented managers, then this really needs to work. Because if it doesn't, there's going to be an immediate overreaction. Like there always is. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, no, not no one suggested uh, Manager X, Sam Allardyce or whatever. No, you didn't, but like. Where's your list of, like, who's next that's actually going to be able to know fully, intimately, the best players in the league and the best players in the lower divisions?
6: Yeah. And it'd be nice if so much didn't rest on the be. senior men's international team because so much of what football in this country needs to be... And it's not cliche to say it needs to be grassroots up. We need to, and we are, there's lots of restructuring going on, but we need to start producing players again. The senior manager can only deal with what's there, you know. So absolutely, it can set a tone and it can, and look, would we all like results? Do we get annoyed at matches like during the Armenia game, like even just a few weeks ago? Of course. And there does come a point where, you know, that should be up for discussion. But I think it should be secondary to making sure we get everything right. You know, and as you said, if it isn't, Stephen, we'll find out in a few months, I would say. We'll find out next November. Then the next person can't be a reactionary appointment back to what we used to do before. It needs to continue the work that's been done for the last couple of years. Because regardless of what people say, I think it's clear that we have made progress and we have developed a new team and there are lots there. And maybe there's a ceiling but we don't know yet. We'll find out in the next year.
1: Yeah, like there's a ceiling for all small countries, right? You, yeah,
6: but maybe there's a ceiling for the development under this manager, is what I'm saying. I don't oh, maybe, know. Yeah, I look, hope sorry, not. There, I really do hope not. But
1: there, there could be. You, yeah, I mean, yeah, there, absolutely, there could be, and um, maybe he'll take the team as far as he can take them, and that's fair enough. But he pass it on then. Yeah, yeah, but if if the agenda is uh, in advance, uh, we can't have this guy for whatever reason because he's he's like come through our system, and our system is so crap. Like Well, exactly. well then it's then we're stuck. Mm. We're literally just stuck in this weird cycle of, occasionally we might get to a Euros. And in fairness, Martin O'Neill got us out of a group. Like, that was an excellent result that's right on the coattails of the Charlton era. But, like...
6: No, but we can't keep looking for, like, who's the out-of-work manager who's slightly past his best from the Premier League or from the Championship or from Serie A 20 years ago. You know, like, as in that's not a sustainable model. That's not going to do anything to grow no, Irish football.
7: Look, even the model has changed. At this stage, if we're trying to attract in a manager who's been managing in the Premier League, the money is not available. It was there for Trapattoni and for O'Neill and Keane. Like we had a private investor putting money in to top up that salary. I think we're shopping at a different aisle at this stage looking for a manager anyway.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's that's definitely true. Wouldn't it be better if they were coming from our system? Like, yeah. Wouldn't it be great if Jim Crawford was actually the next manager? Like, I don't know if he's the right guy or not, but wouldn't no. it be great if that system was the system that worked? Exactly,
6: yeah. The Jason McIntyre kind of weirdly put this into the public sphere again this week, just coincidentally talking about something else and ended up talking about Brian Kerr. So we're having some discussions uh, like, not necessarily even on air, but I think that there was a bigger. I think, you know, we can talk about like there's there's a lot of talking heads and a lot of fans who have opinions on this and he hasn't done it at the top level versus, um, you know, I don't know, supporting Stephen Kenny against Stephen Kenny. I don't know if the players, I think in 2004, 2005, the players, I think, were a little bit more caught up in that. And it, again, it wasn't from any information, it was just from a sense you got. I think there might have been a little bit more. Uh, I don't know what the word is I suppose just kind of wariness of this guy has never been in the Premier League I don't, he doesn't he play definite, at the top of I think these guys are smarter and I don't mean they're smarter people I mean that they're more open-eyed go, going into their career and they understand what the international system needs to be they've also seen a couple of generations of Vengers and Mourinho's and well, yeah, but else also do it in the meantime
1: that group all had aspirations or were playing or wanted to play or thought they were good enough to play in the Champions League yeah. Yeah. this group are like going to have to work their balls off to get anywhere close to being in a Champions League team really you know, they were just off the English back from anyway. the
7: tournament in 2002 as well but I yeah. think the other thing about Kenny I think why he will have huge support from the players that were in the squad and that, that's important because Last Sunday we talked about overreactions. Pretty much everyone that saw the draw when Stephen Kenny's gone. It wasn't Ireland aren't going to go to Euro twenty twenty four. It was Kenny is screwed because now they've got such a tough group. Yeah, I, I, the I, referendum has now become if they don't qualify. It doesn't matter how the journey goes. Well, Kenny is gone. But we'll I see. I, I don't think that's, that's true either. I think that like, happen, you know? I, th- I think that
1: there's loads of yeah. room in that. There's loads of room in this group for good performances against really good teams. That makes everybody go. You know what? We're nearly there. And then, ideally if things like it's if I, I, the figure is 50-50 at the moment about whether or not we're going to get a playoff as a result of the Nations it's League sick. like you know you you do yourself uh, more chance of coming through that playoff or being in charge for, for that playoff by playing really well in these games so like I, I, I don't think we're gone just yet um, no
6: and there is an opportunity there as well like let's not I was just talking out in the office there a minute ago how like you we know, were running really up hard. against
1: France and France in the, in the Euros like genuinely it, you
6: know. not really good teams at the moment that was a much better France team than even now I would say let's see what happens at the World Cup let's see, that's
1: how we got Mbappe is in
6: <laughs> exactly but I don't know I think the chances like we could have got a result against Portugal you know Ronald Koeman's we, a terrible man. we should have beaten Portugal Ronald Koeman is coming back in yeah. the Dutch are well due in, uh, they haven't had a big fight where they all hate each other in years Like yeah. so that's like, bound to happen between now and then. There you, just you, you never know what happens no. in groups like this no so.
1: look sure look Kenny FM uh, right the lid was lifted on one We're of the great GA sport, traditions <laughs> on the football pod this week with club finals in full flow this month James O'Donohue Paddy Anders and Tommy Rooney discussed the glory of the Monday Club celebrations after winning a county title check out Tommy's Instagram if you want more details is there a sweeter hour in the year than Monday morning at 11 o'clock after you've won a club championship title? I don't think
13: so. If there is, I want to hear about it. But uh, can't beat it. It's hard to beat, isn't it? Like mm. we, yeah. lost, uh, we lost the county final. And
14: I met... We lost to South Kerry with the Legion, right? We lost it in the most sickening beat of all time, by the way. seven. We're seven points up and lost after extra time by a point in a replay.
13: You were too busy thinking about the Monday Club. That's what happened.
14: <laughs> yeah. It's in your head. We lost to So Kerry, right? And I met a few of them in the pool on the Wednesday. And I said, how'd you get on the Monday? And they said, oh, we, we didn't bother going out. We went to work. <laughs>
13: nah. I said, you
14: did not deserve to That's win the No, That's a waste.
13: That should be revoked. <laughs> that title should be revoked.
14: It, it, should, it should have been replayed again after Without that. That's shocking.
13: I will yeah. go to war with any man who says... The night of the final is never as good as the next day. No yes. chance. Or Tuesday is possibly even better than Monday. The, night, the of, night is good if you're you're mental, like you're wrecked, you're knackered, you're hanging together. It's just it's brilliant, but it's just full on. Whereas the the next couple of days, where you're in some hellhole boozer just with the lads, mm. it's hard hard beating that crack now. So I I tip my hat to all the. The teams who are out today, and obviously the teams that are beaten as well, I'm sure they're uh, indulging as well. Why not? after uh, a tough championship campaign. Is it ever acceptable to not have a Monday club? We, I remember when I started with Dublin, we used to do Mondays after the first round of the championship, genuinely. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah oh yeah, we'd yeah, be like, back yeah, in like, oh, eight, I think, was it? Oh, eight, oh, I started. Yeah, we bet loud and we're out for about three days after. It was great. There's <laughs> <Does laughs> never does... one out, but oh, we go cracker during the week like this. So it still has the same lure. Oh, ah, yeah, sure so I was only young going back then. Like, but uh, but there was
14: months between games back then. Like, so you could yeah, go on a two three Four weeks.
13: Yeah,
14: yeah, and that and was great for camaraderie. You could always, you could put anything under the umbrella of camaraderie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a clip from the football pod this week. Make sure you subscribe to it so now. Uh, Keith Woods picked the best fifteen players he's ever faced. This team was unbelievable. Martin Johnson, Zinzan Brooke and Christian Cullen were among them. Uh, The former Ireland captain selected All Blacks legend Jonah Lomu on his team. And he explained just how difficult it was to stop the winger.
0: When Lomu came on the scene, I think it was 94 Hong Kong Sevens. I think that's where the world suddenly um, um, uh, got to notice him. I mean, two years prior, he had played against the, um, he played for New Zealand schools against the Ireland schools. He played at number eight against Anthony Foley, and both of them have since passed away, which is terrible. But um, so we would have known about him a little from then. But then suddenly ninety four, he comes on, causes total carnage, and the sevens um, goes on to the World Cup. And we now have Jonah Lomu rugby because of of that as a thought and an idea. And he changed pretty much everything. He was the first global superstar. Um, He changed, I think, he became the face of the, you know, the sort of potential of what professionalism could be at that stage in 95. And he was extraordinary. Incredibly nice guy, quiet guy, um, um, considerate guy. um, But changed the game, I would have said. I remember asking Roger
11: this question, Keith, a couple of years ago uh, regarding Jonah Lomu. He talked about trying to hang on to his boot laces when he was coming towards him. What's going through your head when Jonah Lomu is running... Full speed towards you on a pitch.
0: Well, I, I got to say, fear, but there isn't fear. I don't think so, anyway. Um, you, 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 you're talking. You're thinking about commitment. Um, and I remember going to tackle him at one stage, and I said, I get him exactly in the right spot, just above the knee. Um, uh, and I, for all intents and purposes, was like hitting a force field that you'd see in Star Trek or something. I don't know that I actually hit him, but I didn't knock him or nothing seemed to happen. I mean, the the best guy I knew to tackle him was Peter Stringer. And Stringer, seemed, he used to get tangled up in his feet and that was the way of knocking him over. I mean, he was huge, absolutely huge. A really, really big, um, like, it was just, like, what was it, He was six foot five or six, um, um, I think um, yeah I, 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 yeah, 6 foot 5 or 6 17 and a half, 18 stone moving at an unbelievable clip um, it's not fear but you may not be fully entirely filled with confidence that you're going to do the
1: job that's like one of those vice pieces where it's like, uh, what's it actually like to kill a man? It's like, what's it like to be uh, trampled over by John Lomu? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, coming up this weekend on Off the Ball, on Saturday, Ireland legends Olivia O'Toole and Emma Byrne will join John Duggan to reflect on the achievement of Vera Powell's side reaching the World Cup. David Meyer, Johnny Ward and Dan McDonnell are on Football Saturday. That's 1 to 5pm on Saturday afternoon, obviously. Football Saturday is on Saturdays. Joe Malloy is in the hot seat on Sunday. Two live commentaries. It is Manchester United against Newcastle. Vinnie Perth and Nathan Murphy call that one and Damian Delaney is alongside Stephen Doyle for Liverpool versus Manchester City Brendan O'Brien and ex-Ireland Leinster Munster and Wasp scrum half Owen Redden will review the Sunday papers Shin Splunk is next Sloan